Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name's Chris, and I'm here as always with Tom. Hello. And with Stu. Hi there. We're here to talk about the Portuguese Grand Prix, which is not something that anyone said for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yet another race where it was very interesting for another new set of reasons. I think it's mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a weird season, hasn't it? Yeah, it has in, been in all the best though. ways. Weird in a good way. Um, let's dive straight into the race, I guess. Um, I mean, practice itself was interesting in its own way, largely because no one seemed to know their way around the track or had the grip to stay on it, um, <laughs> which which led to an interesting Friday. But we'll get some more Friday details later on. But yeah, let's let's start with the start of the race. The, some of the maddest three or four laps I've seen in F1 in a very long time. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. It essentially all came down to there being a bit of rain and the fact that the medium tires just didn't switch on whatsoever. So the guys on the softs, um, Sainz and uh, Raikkonen especially, just kind of drove past everyone like they were standing still, didn't they? Like, have you yeah. seen the onboard of Kimi's first couple of laps? Yes, it is a delight. <laughs> it's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I haven't actually watched that. I've been far too busy this weekend to watch any <laughs> Formula One. <laughs> I bet. It's like a common joke to say it looks like he's playing the F1 game and the difficulty's too low. But like <laughs> the Kimi on board is like that on steroids. It's ridiculous. Like he actually nearly runs into the back of people a couple of times because he's that much faster coming out of corners than them. Like he well, like can barely deal formula with it. It really is. It's yeah. kind of ridiculous. Um, and I mean, signs as well, like signs taking the lead was just awesome to watch. Again, just yeah. driving past Mercedes like they were standing still. Mm. It was really I mean, weird in the office because we were all sort of like, we were all excited by it, but we we're all kind of like just a bit gobsmacked. Like, yeah, what's going on? Like, well, I don't understand. No one could quite figure out straight away. Like, why? Why is this happening? <laughs> and then it obviously started to become clear with the tires and the and the sort of bit of rain that was coming down that sort of made it a bit clear. And it, we just got really excited then because obviously you think rain, you think, oh, this is going to be this is yeah tasty. I must admit that as a McLaren fan that's biased towards that car and that team yeah um, big time. I, I can i can wholeheartedly say there was definitely some shouting and cheering from me when <laughs> i was watching signs go past those mercedes like i i genuinely think the last time i shouted as loud as i did was the time when jensen took the lead in canada after all the <laughs> chaos that's the last time I can genuinely remember shouting as loud as I did when I saw Sainz take the lead. <laughs> I was that excited. I like. I mean, it did last, but it was no. still fun while it did. <laughs> well, someone asked um, Andres Little about it after the race, and he was like, "Like, yeah, we knew it wasn't going to last, but it was nice to like have a few photos and give us something to aim for." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kudos to Carl Sainz, though. He, if you go back and rewatch the formation lap he was working those tires to put heat into them like crazy because he said the second he saw a few drops of rain, like he knew the tire temperature was going to be the thing that made the difference. And he just worked those tires as much as he could to get heat into them. And I mean, he smoked himself, didn't he? Like, yeah, completely paid off. It was, yeah, super impressive and super fun to watch. Um, We did have the Verstappen-Perez clash on the first lap. Um which was kind of, it, it was started by Bottas just 
hanging Verstappen out to dry in turn two, which was, yeah. I really enjoyed that. It's not super often you see that from Bottas, but he was just like, nope, there is no way you are driving around the outside of me, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I like that Bottas has got that side to him. When it comes to like the other teams, like not, not necessarily within his own team, but when it comes to other drivers outside of Mercedes, he's definitely not afraid to get his elbows out if he needs to. Yeah. Well, this is why it was so nice to see him do that to Hamilton and the Nürburgring. I was like, Sam mm. myself, like, yes, wh- why haven't you been doing this for the last three years or whatever it is? Mm. Um, yeah, the Verstappen-Paris thing went down as a lap one racing incident. Probably fair. Uh, yeah, I think <clears throat> I think Max came on and reassumed the racing line a little bit, but I mean... A bit exuberantly. Was, yeah, but... Uh, it's not like Perez couldn't see him either. I think calling it a 50 50 is about right because they could have both given each other a bit of room and neither of them wanted to yield. So, what happened happened, I think. Yeah, but I think on the same merit, Perez is minding his own business essentially. He's, he's already on the racing track, racetrack, following the racing line. So, yeah. you don't expect someone to come piling in from the side and sort of effectively take you out of the race. <laughs> at that yeah. point so i don't know I, I think if it had not been on the first lap then i think he would have been punished quite a lot more for it but the fact that it was all going a bit mental at that point he sort of it allowed him to yeah. get away with it i thought the stewards kind of effectively said that as well actually that it was definitely applying the it's the first lap things are gonna happen rule yeah um, especially <laughs> given the situation you know given the weather and, yeah and the tire situation like it was always going to be a bit mental so well yeah like yeah. watching the rest of that first lap it was clear that no one knew how much grip they were going to have no. at any part of the racetrack so yeah it's kind of a miracle that was the only coming together really on the first lap yeah it's surprising yeah because there were a lot of very close calls especially when they're all locking up downhill into the uh hairpin yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was so much fun to watch, though. We want more of that. It's, it's a shame we yeah. didn't get those few more sprinklings of rain throughout I'm, the rest of the race, really. I'm pleasantly surprised by it, though, because even the the little bit of drizzly rain that we got, aside from that, even when it was dry, there were still a lot of places that people were able to race wheel-to-wheel through corners. And to be honest, I didn't expect it. I, I, I genuinely thought it would get a little bit processional here and people wouldn't be able to get close enough to each other to to properly fight just because of the high-speed corners and the, the effect of being too close to a car in, in front. But it actually worked quite well, didn't mm. it? I think maybe something to do with the width of the circuit. I don't know. It was quite wide yeah. in a lot of places like we talked about. So maybe that's a factor, but it... it Turned out a lot better race than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think a lot of it is the is the actual surface itself. So the surface, yeah. it, this 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 kind of um, uh, tarmac, I guess it's not. You shouldn't call it tarmac, should you? Because that's the name it's of a company. Asphalt. It's, it's asphalt. Yeah, th- this yeah. kind of asphalt. It's it's really tightly packed together. So there's not a lot of sort of furrows, if you like, for the for the rubber to bleed into as it rolls along yeah. it. And that's why you get less. It's it's, more, it's it's smoother, effectively. It's much. It's more like ice than what mm. you regular. It's closer to ice than what your regular racetrack would <laughs> be. Not that it's like ice, but you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> on that scale. Yeah. So that's what make that's what made it interesting. Me, it's kind of like even from Friday, you could see that it, the, 
they would it was kind of like pick a breaking point and hope to begin with yeah and then when it as soon as that surface gets rained on obviously because it's so much smoother and there's so much less grip initial grip before you've even sort of made it wet then as soon as it gets wet it's just like then it is like an ice rink it's really 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 difficult to drive on Plus, it was quite newly laid as well. It wasn't that long ago, I yeah. don't think it was laid. And you, yeah. you always get kind of a slightly oily substance coming out of new tarmac for a while afterwards as well. So yeah, Martin, kind of a perfect storm, wasn't it? Yeah, Martin Brundle said you could smell the yeah. oil coming out of the bitumen on the uh, track walk when the heat was on it, when the sun was on it. So yeah, that's, it, that tells you everything you need to know about how oily <laughs> the surface was as well. <laughs> It's it's such a cool track. It was yeah. Watching F one cars around there was sort of everything I hoped it would be <laughs> leading yeah. up to it. Yeah, I, 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 I was don't know super why. excited leading into the weekend, like seeing them yeah. that on Friday, just seeing them go. There, there are a few. So like before they started racing, I had the feed on, and I was just watching some other cars going around the track. Who I've no idea. There was some form of GT car, but I don't know exactly what kind of cars they were. They were really interesting looking things, but yeah. Um, and I got a chance to like see all the camera angles and see them practicing with the takes for the cameras. And I knew like just from watching that, that it was going to be really, really cool to see some of the, some of the F1, well, the F1 cars coming up and down some of the hills and, and all that kind of mm. thing. It's like a big dipper. Like it's literally like a roller coaster. that circuit. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, like we knew going into it that there was a lot of um, undulations. Like, undulation to it, but it looks so much more aggressive in yeah. a F1 car. I think yeah. it's maybe because of the speeds that they're doing, but you, you don't really get a perspective for how kind of tabletops that start, finish, and yeah. fixes yeah. until you watch an F1 car. Because in, in my head, for some reason, it's always like you kind of come down out of the final corner, and in my head, it's relatively flat until it starts dipping into turn one. You don't get the sense of that that huge rise until you watch the F1 cars like flying yeah. up it as if they're about to take off. They must really feel like the G force as they're yeah. going up that, and like their body like dip into the car yeah. as, as that elevation changes. Um, L- it Lando must be did such like fun a, to drive. Lando did like a cover lap where he sort of talked through the lap, and he was saying that like imagine driving over like a railway bridge or something like that where you you, you get like like feeling in your in your the pit of yeah, your stomach you kind of go feeling, up and yeah, over yeah. Uh, or, or like through a big dip or something and he said it's basically that for a minute and a half on a full plan <laughs> so, that's awesome and, yeah. and, we've got strong stomachs required yeah. <laughs> yeah and credit to f1 as well i thought they did a really good job of uh, getting that across through the camera work like yeah so filming motorsport a lot of the time tends to make circuits look a lot flatter than they are. Like you always see people who go to um, Spa, like say all anyone ever talks about is how steep um, Oru's Radion is. And everyone says it's not until you actually see it in person, you realize just how steep it is and it doesn't really mm. come across on TV. But I thought this weekend they actually did a very good job of sort of portraying that in the camera work. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, should we talk about the race rather than just waxing lyrical about <laughs> a, a track yes. that we like? Sorry, we got, got a bit sidetracked then. The the uh, Turkish Grand Prix review, we are going to be unbearable, aren't we? <laughs> oh yeah. We'll we just really do. Are. We'll do two episodes: one about the race, and one that we can just like talk about the track for an hour just to yeah, make maybe. ourselves happy. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, the race at the front. Um. Yeah. So once sort of the mediums warmed up and things settled down a bit. 
Bottas retook the lead and he kind of seemed in control for a short while. Like he was actually pulling a gap on Hamilton initially. I think he was up to about three seconds at one point. Um, But it it seemed again that it got to that point sort of midway through the tyre stint where Bottas started struggling and Hamilton just didn't. Like we heard more messages of, Lewis saying my tires are fine than we did him saying my tires are gone this weekend. Yeah, um, that's rare. <laughs> yeah, and it was like it, it just kind of felt like Hamilton was like, okay, I think it's time I took the lead again. And in the space of three laps, he just like closed two and a half seconds down to half a second, and I mean he just cruised past and never looked back, did he? Really? Um, yeah, he, he really had the legs on him this weekend. Yeah, which is but- strange because the whole week, I, I mean. It's normally the case that Bottas leads everything until Q3, but he really did look like he had the legs on Hamilton this weekend and it just fell apart in the race again, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It keeps happening. It keeps happening. Hamilton's just got that extra. It's, tight. it's to do with tyre management, I think, and hmm. just, you know, he's probably holding a little bit back through the practice sessions as well. Um, maybe there is an element of mind games going on where he's like, I'll give you the practice sessions, but I'm having the races. <laughs> yeah. Like if he knows he can turn it on when it counts, like there's no need for him to give 100% in the practice yeah. sessions. And, and he also knows he's got a teammate who's not going to run him off the road and run him out of the yeah. race and make his life that difficult. So yeah. if they do get into a racing situation, he's got such a lead on him in the championship. The team's absolutely behind him now and is, yeah, is always going to favor him in that situation. So... He's yeah, psychologically he's just absolutely dominated the the entire season, I think. Yeah, I mean the the weekend was kind of a microcosm of the whole season, wasn't it? It's like mm. yeah. Bottas is fastest all through practice. He's very, very close in qualifying, but then he comes to the race and he just doesn't have that extra bit, does he? And I do think tire management is a weakness for him this season. Um mm. I mean, and we should say like to Bottas's credit, the fact that he outqualifies Hamilton as often as he does, or at the very least is second by like a tiny margin, that is very, very impressive. Yeah. Like you're up against the guy who's qualified on pole more than anybody else. I think Bottas yeah, is... more races than anyone else. Exactly, yeah. Like arguably the greatest of all time. So the fact that Bottas can beat him on a Saturday that often is impressive. And I do think Bottas's qualifying this year has been really good, but... On a Sunday when it counts, just just not there, is he? Yeah, I agree with you though. I think yeah, Bottas is probably. I can't really picture any other drivers getting. Um, I don't know. Maybe 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 Verstappen could could if they were in the same car could maybe maybe you know, get oh, close. Qualifying is not really maybe. Verstappen's strongest point, though. I don't think. He's, I mean, it, it doesn't do too bad though to be fair I guess no well he, he qualifies third doesn't he so what he does yeah. 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 I mean, he, put, he puts <laughs> the car where it should be every time so you know yeah, if, if not do beyond bad. it sometimes <laughs> yeah. as well hmm. um, yeah I, I think he's I mean he's undeniably the best like that's that much is clear now at this point I think he is does, he's won more races than anyone else in the history of the sport so he is Tech, I mean, you can say arguably all you like. He is technically the greatest Statist- of all yeah, time. Yeah, statistically. So, statistically, he's, <laughs> he's the best. Of, he's the most I don't know successful. How you argue with that. <laughs> yeah. 
is the best way of putting it. Yeah, I suppose greatness comes in many forms. There's many criteria to fill for greatness, isn't there? But um, in my personal opinion, I think he fulfills most of those criteria, if not all. Um, But, you know, I'm a bit of a... I will admit that I'm a bit of a uh, Hamilton fanboy, always have been. He's the reason I'm into this book. So, you know, I'm always going to have a big soft spot for him. Yeah. I enjoyed Max's comments about it all to the best, to be honest, where he said after after it all, um, I mean, this just means I've got to go until I'm 40 to make sure I can beat him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Max's answer to it all, is I'll just drive till I'm 40 and I'll beat him. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's the kind of attitude you've got to have, I guess, isn't it? Like, if you're in his position, your attitude has got to be, well, I've still got so many years ahead of me and I, I know how good I am. As soon as my time comes, I'm yeah, going totally. to make the most of it. And that's the attitude you've got to have. Yeah, I think. for sure. But um, back to Bottas. So Bottas, Chris, he asked for soft tyres. Yeah. Um, so uh, Hamilton obviously pitted first because he was first on the road and that's how Mercedes do things. Hamilton put the hards on. So Bottas said, if he's on hards, I want soft tyres. Um, Mercedes didn't do that for him. Uh, they said that's not the way they go about racing um once the tire decisions are locked in and the first driver has made their stop the other one doesn't get to change their their choice um Mm. i mean in hindsight putting the softs on would not have made a difference it would have been he'd have really struggled like most people who finished on the soft tires really struggled so it probably wouldn't have been the right thing to do anyway but it it just it doesn't sit right with me if I'm honest. Like the 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 way that they said that this is just how we deal with it, I, I just don't like it. it. Doesn't wash. Like if it, we we talk so much about drivers being able to make those calls and the, the the intelligent drivers who can feel something in the car or in the circuit, wherever it might be, being able to turn around and say, "I, I want to go with this compound because that's that's what I feel is right." and engineers going with them. And we talk about how brilliant of a decision these things are when, when it pays off, let him, let him have that choice. Mm. Like it just, it, it feels it. The, the thing is, right. If it had been the other way and Lewis had been behind Valtteri and said, can I have the softs and, and they'd not given them to him. They'd be uproar probably. I and, don't know. I'd, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. I think I just I, I on, feel like on. the drive. I feel like the drivers should have their choice. At the end of the day, they're the one driving the car. They should have their say in it. Yeah. You're right, but I think in the I think in the heat of the moment, I think Bottas was was clutching at straws. I don't think he really believed that he was you know gonna have an advantage by being on those tires. He just wanted to try something different. And I think what the team were thinking probably was that if they can see that the hard tyre is the better strategy. If those tyres go off, then he's going to fall back into the clutches of Verstappen and, and you know, cost them points in the constructors. So, yeah, but is that really such a big dent in the season at this point? Well, no, it's not, but they want to win. They want to come ahead. They want the, they want the one too. They want, they, they want to be dominant. You know, you don't want to just lose places for the sake of a gamble f- between your two drivers. That, that, that's not... That's not the best. That's not the most effective way of managing your team, is it? If you're if you're the leader of that team, you want 
both cars to finish in the highest possible positions every single race. And if one of your drivers wants to gamble that, you have to have the stones to stand up and say, no, we're not doing that. We're going to do it the way we plan to do it because we want to succeed as a team. Hmm. I think we want to achieve that objective. I, I just don't think there was long enough left in the race for it to be mm. as detrimental as that. I think that yeah, fair enough. He might not have, he might not have made the um, uh, close the gap to Hamilton like what he wanted to, to try and do, but I don't think it would have been so detrimental that he'd have started falling back. I don't know because I there think, wasn't that long left. I think if you put him on those tires and he just starts absolutely going, he burns through those tires in six, seven laps because he's pushing, pushing qualifying laps every ray, every lap, and then. Suddenly he's got no tire and he's slow as anything, and then he's falling back really rapidly into you know tires go off the cliff and he's falling really back rapidly into into the clutches of the midfield. Yeah, if anything, if he wanted to do something different, he'd have been better off at the point that Hamilton caught him up, uh, asked the team to switch him to a two stopper. Like I'm sure they discussed it pre race. Like if he really wanted to do something different, that was probably the different thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. I do agree with the decision clutching at straws, but it, it's like the thing is, if Bottas was in a different team, then they probably would have done that. And it's yeah, and yeah. it's Mercedes making sure they orchestrate what's happening. And from Mercedes' point of view, you can understand it. Like all, as much as they say the right things about we let our drivers race, ultimately they do the safest thing that maintains the status quo and also what keeps their two cars as far apart as they safely can because I do think they always still have the Rosberg-Hamilton days in the back of their mind. Like They always let their drivers race and that really bit them on a number of occasions. And I do Mm -hmm. think that's maybe in the back of their mind still a little bit. Yeah, well, I think it's it's an interesting point. I think they... They actually manage this situation probably better than any other team I've ever seen in history because you don't ever really feel that badly for the second driver because you feel like they, you know, if they were good enough, they'd be up there. And at the same time, as much as he wants to be to be in that situation where he's fighting for the wins or or trying to get up there and put... put so you're never going to get a repeat with Mercedes of the Rosberg Hamilton days because they learned from it and they apply all that learning into the whole reason Bottas is there is because they don't want a repeat of those days. Exactly. He's, yeah. yep. he's just it. the right distance away from Hamilton for them, but, but far enough ahead of the rest of the pack that they can quite easily manage, manage that, manage that dynamic between the two. And also Hamilton, you know, Hamilton's so quick that, that's another thing that gets that, and they've built such an amazing car that they they can have one driver who could could just be marginally better than Bottas, but that margin is much bigger when you're both in a very very fast car, and the fact that there's that big window in between the leader of the race, whichever Mercedes it happens to be, and then the the second Mercedes, which was slightly slightly slower on a given day then back to the Red Bull or the Ferrari, I guess, if you're talking about 2018, then they've, you know, they've, they've, they've built themselves a team that is able to just absolutely nail it every weekend in that department. 
Mm. And um, you yeah. can't argue the results, ultimately. How we feel about the way they do it. And, you know, it's not the most it's exciting working. thing to watch as a spectator, and it's probably not the most exciting thing to watch from Bottas's seat, but it is working. It's getting the best results. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of... It's like they've hacked been. it. It's like they've hacked <laughs> Formula One, and they're just, just mm. killing it. And again, we've said it before, like, you can't blame Mercedes for this. You, no. What it needs is red bulls or ferraris or mclarens or whatever else to be not letting mercedes just do their own thing at the front and have to worry about other cars but it's not where we are right now you can't even blame them for managing the team situation and managing the the two the two drivers racing because they're just looking out for what's best for them as a constructor and that's what you've got to do if you want to win championships any other constructor would do the same thing yeah, totally. But um, these guys just are just in every department across the board. They are better than any other team, probably in the history of the sport at this point. Yeah, I mean, in fact, other teams would probably have decided before the race which order the two cars are going to finish. So there's that at least. Mercedes do favour the car in the lead, but they don't necessarily mind which of the two it is. Whereas I think other teams throw history. You can't say that about. Yeah. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. more of an episode, right? yeah should we talk about the stroll and norris crash um so so norris was like he sort of all came about like most overtakes from drs being pretty overpowered i think this weekend the closing speeds were always pretty hefty um norris was kind of just in the middle of the track wasn't he um if anything he was slightly to the left and Stroll opted to put half his car on the left-hand curb rather than go for the inside. Um, And then, yeah, as they're only turn one, I mean, for me, Stroll just turned in too much when there was a car on his inside, really. Yeah, I mean, like, he shouldn't have been trying to overtake him around the outside, I don't think, in the first place. At least not that time. Like, we'd seen it in a couple of laps building up Norris had defended more towards the inside and I think he felt a little vulnerable because Stroll was almost getting round him. Mm. So then on this particular occurrence, Norris had decided to sort of stay closer to that outside curb to maybe force Stroll more around the inside, but Stroll was having none of it when <laughs> round on that curb. Yeah, like, that, that, that's the bit that... <laughs> Yeah, that's the bit that like you could kind of see it coming from where as soon as Stroll decides he's going round the outside and he's out on that curb and rattling away <laughs> like <laughs> you do when you get out on those curbs, you could sort of see, uh-oh, this is going, this is going yeah. to end badly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think one thing you can definitely see is that it wasn't Norris squeezing him, that's for sure. No. Like, there, was, no. there was room on the inside. Norris like, didn't really change they, his line on the way into the corner, did he? Exactly, yeah. It's just Stroll just decided to sort of outbreak, sort of move wide at the very last moment and start breaking over the curbs. And yeah, there's always going to end in tears. I don't know what he was thinking. I, I think, think Norris didn't know what he was thinking either. No, no Norris was <laughs> maybe the angriest I've ever seen him actually after a race. And yeah. on the radio, he was not best pleased. Um, I think I'd have a little more sympathy for Stroll if he hadn't been involved in almost exactly the same incident during practice with Verstappen. Mm, like yeah. you'd think after that, he'd know that if you're going around the outside of someone at turn one, 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I mean, gone. I mean, it's a bit. I think the practice incident's a little bit different. It was different, but, but, but I can hear you grinning. I can hear Chris grinning. <laughs> it's. <laughs> There's, there's a very, there's a, the difference between the practice incident is the fact that Verstappen was always behind. It wasn't yeah, yeah, no, that's taking. It was Verstappen closing on Stroll, uh, and yeah. I mean, it's that that practice crash for me is they're both as bad as each other. It's Max mm. being a little bit entitled of I've got closing speed on him and I want the track position, and it's Stroll being whether it's clumsy or just oblivious to what was going on around him kind of shutting the door and chopping off the apex but yeah. i think that i think that max needed just a tiny bit more patience there like yeah he, he, he wasn't he wasn't enough ahead to um to for that move to work especially in a practice session it's not worth it in a practice session may i, may I have permission to be reductive Go yes on. um from from stroll's side it's either incompetence or arrogance and from Verstappen's side, it could only be arrogance. There you go. That's you, my yeah, that's yeah. that's about that's about right for where I'm putting it. Because you you hear it week in week out. You hear Max on the radio during practice sessions, effing and jeffing about people being in his way, and it's entitlement is the word for it. I think it's and like you mm. say, Tom, it's like it's practice. Like the worst thing that's going to happen in practice is someone gets in your way and you lose that lap you were on. And the yeah. world carries on and nothing <laughs> changes. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. If that happens in qualifying or in a race, fair enough. But I just don't understand why he gets so irate. At, yeah, irate yeah. about these things in practice it's, sessions, and you hear it every single week. Yeah. I mean, it's red mist, I, isn't it? He just gets, yeah. he gets so. It's almost, it's, it's almost that. Um, uh, uh, Dick tantrum. <laughs> oh yeah yeah a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost that but to a lesser degree i guess i noticed in practice actually um crofty kind of suggested that it might be a bit of entitlement and then he kind of very quickly backpedaled oh, on those comments yeah, but... yeah. Oh, i'm gonna have to interview this bloke a bit later on yeah there. exactly <laughs> gotta be friends with everyone yeah um like but yeah I, like, I guess uh, my my original point was I do think, if anything, that was Verstappen's fault in practice, but you would have maybe thought that Stroll, having been involved in a Term 1 incident, yeah. would maybe have yeah. had a had it in the back of his head, this is how much room two cars need to get through yeah. here, and he yeah, very yeah. clearly didn't. I, I mean, agree with it, that. From the fact that he got that second penalty for track limits, it would indicate that he had difficulty <laughs> with, with the whole weekend and just staying on the track in general. He so. did, and I've it's, seen some it's people... It's got to be one of his worst weekends so far, that, I It think. was, and I've seen some people suggest that maybe he wasn't as fully recovered from uh, being ill at the last race as he perhaps made out. Um, whether that's, that's making excuses for him, whether there's some truth to that, I don't know. He got a five-second penalty and two license points for the crash and then another five seconds and another point on his license for exceeding Oof. track limits. Um, they eventually retired him from last place for unspecified damage, which um, Otmar was hastily trying to come up with some legitimate excuses <laughs> yeah, for retiring that, the car. Which that was a brilliant him. live interview. It was so good, it? it? was like, so what, what's the reason for retirement, Otmar? Well, um, crash, damage... Car broken, we think spin might happen soon. Car retired. Some, something, something safety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> just such a weird nothing to do with the fact that you get a fresh gearbox if you uh, don't complete no no nothing no, 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 nothing no, to do with that of course not no how, vicious rumours how, how dare you reduce it to just that <laughs> On the other side of the uh, pink garage, um, Perez was f- sort of forced into a two-stopper after that lap one incident. Uh, he fought his way all the way back up to fifth, but lost a couple of places to Gasly and Sainz on the final lap. Um, really good drive from him, though. Really, really good. Yeah. To to recover from last place at the end of lap one was uh, was damn impressive. Mm. Um, if only he'd not been spun out, he might have had a podium. Yeah. Yeah, quite Could possibly. Have been up there. Could have been up there. Yeah. Mm. Uh, who else should talk about? How about Ferrari? Um, this How is stealing a fact from uh, from Ted here. Only the third time this season that Ferrari have finished with both cars in the points. Ouch. Strong Big fact. ouch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Leclerc, after some more qualifying heroics, uh, dropped fourth place at the start, but he fought back to finish fourth place, which is, again, he's just out driving that car, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he he really seemed to gel with this circuit as well. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know if you've seen his qualifying lap from Q3, but it was, like, incredible. Like, he was clearly getting the absolute maximum out of that car. Um, yeah. I said this online. Like, I genuinely think if this race had been in last year's cars, Leclerc would probably have cleaned up this weekend. He just was seems so switched on with that circuit mm. it's just a shame that car's the holding yeah. him back isn't it really it really is do better yep. do better ferrari yeah um seb only qualified 15th um but got back up to 10th place he was actually right behind ricardo at the end but couldn't quite get by um he he had a really nice fight with uh, his former teammate uh kim raikkonen for a while which was yeah. kind of fun to watch and with George Russell as well, weirdly. Um, he yeah. was... They were together for ages, George They Russell. were, yeah. And Russell was like really on the pace of that kind of... There was like a pack fight sort of from 10th down to 15th for most of the race. And he was sort of right there in that fight. He was... Yeah. He was up to like 7th at one point, wasn't he? Because he was quite late to pit. Um, yeah. Maybe even as high as 6th. Dizzying heights of 6th. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's frustrating though when when you have these crazy races where there's loads of retirements and stuff going on, he also has issues. And then when he's like fine and on it and getting the maximum, it's a fairly normal race and you only have one retirement. So <laughs> yeah. eventually yeah. those two things have got to line up and you can get a point or two. But yeah. I'm amazed there was only one retirement at this track. Yeah, me, me too. as well. Yeah. Especially when we saw what we did on like the first couple of laps with the wheel banging and stuff and like the stroll norris incident and so on like there's i think people were just fortuitous that they didn't end in worse scenarios yeah. than they might normally have yeah that, that mm. was first couple of laps you'd the camera cut to a corner and you'd see like three cars going through a corner doing yeah. three completely different lines yeah <laughs> and with like puffs of smoke behind all three yeah. cars as well like yeah. all three of them have locked up both wheels like the end of the first <laughs> lap, I think it was like Sainz, Leclerc, um, Kimi, and someone else all came out of the final corner, having taken completely different lines and just like <laughs> appeared on the straight in different places, trying to outdo each other. <laughs> Great to watch. Yeah, it brilliant. was. Gasly was another standout performance. Uh, he finished fifth. He was pretty much one of the only people who managed to make the soft tire work at all in that race. He um, 
what did he? Yeah, he started on the soft, did twenty eight laps, and then switched to the mediums for the rest of the race, um, and just kind of scythed his way up to fifth place, uh, taking fifth from Perez at the end, as we mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, he nearly took fifth from Perez on the last but one lap, uh, if not for some. I've written hefty defence from Perez. I'm yeah. not sure how else to Staunch. describe it. Staunch, Staunch defence. It was pretty borderline, that, wasn't it? Yes. Gasly said on the radio, um, he said, this guy, I almost destroyed him. <laughs> <laughs> Those were his words, which entertained me somewhat when I was doing yeah. the team radio this morning. Um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a bit dicey. bit dicey, but very good to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about Alex Albon? I, mean, I almost I don't, don't want Alex to. Albon doesn't want down. us to talk about Alex Albon. <laughs> so Red Bull effectively said before this race that he's got two races to kind of prove he should be in that seat next year. They've they've said that he's still their plan A, but he needs to prove he deserves to be their plan A. I'd say he Which... didn't necessarily do that <laughs> this weekend. Mm. he sort of he lost a lot of uh, positions at the start but then again a lot of people did that was just kind of the circumstance Um, he had an okay first stint but he pitted sort of fairly early on lap 20 and then he sort of struggled to get past anyone being dropped behind he said that the car was really hard to get a good exit out of the last couple of corners which meant he was never in a position to overtake down the main straight into turn one so he just kind of sat behind people for ages um he eventually finished well he had to they switched him to a two-stop strategy which turned out to be completely the wrong strategy not many people made that work yeah um, finished 12th six seconds behind Raikkonen in an alpha uh alpha Romeo that had basically gone backwards from the fourth lap onwards so mm. i think you know, towards the end of that race, he was running with, his, although it was lapped by his teammate, he was running with his teammate um, quite easily, sticking with him. So, I mean, I guess at that stage of the race, like Verstappen knows he's not chasing down a win. He knows yeah, he's not he's going to get second. At that point. He's just cruising. So, yeah. and, you know, neither of those two's cars looked like they were ringing it out towards the end anyway. But still, like, he's shown, I think, that he can stay with the other Red Bull. It's just a case of him... I think it's more a case of him qualifying better and getting better starts. And then maybe he can sort of stick with Verstappen ahead of him and not get sucked into all the silliness behind from the middle, the midfield. Yeah. I I feel like we've said this a lot, which is he needs to be A, further up the grid, for the start of the race, yeah, and there's no more doubt consistent, about that. more consistently, and B, he needs to make sure he stays out of the first lap skirmishes and not get swallowed up by the people around him, because, mm. I mean, he's the first target. If he qualifies, like let's say in position with air quotes, so like we're talking fourth, maybe fifth, depending on how someone like Leclerc is doing in the Ferrari on a given day, he's like probably target number one of. The Force Indias, the McLarens, the Renaults, like he's who they're gunning for first, more than likely. And he needs to be able to get that start the same as the likes of Max and Lewis and whoever else do. And just just get that like 
that meter or two into turn one. Uh, the 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 advantage that he's got from the grid, he needs to maintain it into turn one as best he can. Not focus on what's ahead of him. Focus on getting away from what's behind him. I think if you could do that, I mean, this is all said from that's an the first is, step, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, but but yeah, exactly. That is step one. He's got to he's got to get there to the point where he's because we've we've seen that when he gets in that position, he is capable of maintaining the position and putting the fight up with the, the other guys at the front. Mm, his yeah. main problem is that he gets swallowed up or he starts so far back that he's caught up in all the, the midfield chaos, essentially. That's... Yeah, and it's probably not a great car in a draft either. It's not a great slipstreamer no. car. It's, it's, it's if, if Adrian Newey's cars are anything to go by, from his, if history tells anything about Adrian Newey's cars, they're better in clean air. Yeah. So... Yeah, he's not going to be. He's always going to suffer having that car. The design of that car itself actually could be right on that margin between, like, they could be right on that little step between Verstappen being just fast enough to be clearing the midfield, and then the car is great because there's a load of clean air between yeah. Verstappen and the Mercedes a lot of the time, and then if if Albon's just below that threshold where he does get sort of maybe dropped back where to the point where he's got to battle other cars, could be that that car's just not great at battling other cars. You know, how many times have we seen Verstappen put up a fight with the Mercedes when he has been more or less on their pace? Like, he's not been yeah. able to do it. He's not been able to get past them. And it could be just that di- that slight differential in their pace at the moment is is what's causing it. I think that... The thing that you brought up before, Stu, as well, probably is some evidence towards that point, which is in clean air behind the McLe- uh, behind the Mercedes pair, Max is able to put in strong, consistent lap times and lap his teammate. And in yeah. dirty air and having to fight other cars, Albon is severely compromised. And then the fact that once Max lapped him, he managed to... Like, like you say, I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely different factors involved, but... The fact that he did pretty much stay with him after that and just kind of continued following him around the track, I think that does go to show mm. that there, there is some, definitely some weight to, yeah. to the argument there. I think that it's just not a good car in traffic. Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, definitely that. But also on the same merit, I think Christian Horner kind of does have a point because you, that that small differential between the two, obviously there's no doubt is there that Albon is not as quick as Verstappen in that particular car. Yeah. So does it make sense for the team to to give another driver a go who can who might be able to do something more with, with that particular car since they've got four drivers to choose from? But then I think it was uh, Ted Kravitz again this weekend said looking at sort of the sort of gulf between the two drivers. All of the updates Red Bull have bought this year have essentially made Verstappen faster and Albon slower. Like all their updates have given the car yeah. even more front end, which both drivers like, but in the process they've introduced more oversteer, which Max is able to deal with and Albon isn't. And it's okay saying, you know, he's... Albon's not good enough to keep up with Verstappen, but if you're constantly developing a car that's favouring one driver over the other, yeah, that's never going to change. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying 
I'm not here saying Verstappen is better than Albon. I'm just saying in this particular. I just said I specifically said actually in this particular car. Verstappen yeah, yeah, is, exactly. Is and that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which is, which is why I actually kind of at this point, as much as we've said the whole time we want to see Albon keep that seat and we think that'd be the fair thing to do. At this point, I almost want them to put in someone like a Perez or a Hulkenberg in that second seat uh, just so we, we can sort of prove this theory that Red Bull only develop a car that suits one of their two <laughs> drivers. Like We know that Perez and Hulkenberg are good drivers. We know they can get results. And if they get in that car and also struggle, then I think they sort of vindicate Albon and Gasly and yeah, whoever well, else has struggled. The problem's not necessarily the the drivers that they're putting in the car, is it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Which I very much think is the case still. Yeah. Uh, shall we pick a driver of the day? Yes. Perez got the official <laughs> driver of the day, didn't he? He, I think, deservedly so as well. Did yeah. It's a shame he lost those two places on the last lap, but I think there's also not much he could have done about it at that point in time on those tires. Mm. Mm. How um, so? Like, obviously, there's there's a certain driver who achieved a, a huge achievement <laughs> yesterday in the race, became, became the you know the most decorated Formula One driver in the history of the sport, win wise. Um, but if we're going on driver of the day. The, I mean, he was pretty. Fl- he, st- he he was behind his teammate for a while, and then he got ahead of his teammate and went on to, yeah, win the race. So in matching machinery, and he won the race by a long way as well. I think the biggest margin that he's won a race by all season. Yeah, it was, it was dominant, wasn't it? Yeah, it was truly dominant to achieve the uh, the landmark achievement of ninety two wins. It's, so it's a fair there's a, there's a, shout. There's a shout there, yeah. He had I'm to not fight saying, for it a little bit. Yeah, I'm not saying like he's the driver of the day for that reason, but I think when you've got that hanging over you as well, there's mm-hmm. probably an added pressure for your drive that day. So those are my uh, that's my pitch. That's my pitch for <laughs> Hamilton potentially maybe getting our driver of the day vote this week. Tom, I mean, I was, I was <laughs> your silence vote. kind of. <laughs> No, no, I, I, I like it. I like your pitch. I'm bearing it in mind. I mean, I was always probably leaning towards Perez and Gasly between the two of them. Mm. I mm-hmm. think they both were very solid. Gasly and Leclerc were the two that I had in mind. Yeah, Le- Le- Leclerc's... It's a combination, I think, but Leclerc's definitely outperforming his car as well. Mm. I think Sainz as well to to run in first place and to hold that position for a while and it was it wasn't really his fault that he lost it it was just like the tires weren't yeah right for it's the a, situation he was on the it's a tires. shame he ended up sixth in the end it would have been nice yeah. to see a couple of places higher than that yeah definitely. um if i have to pick one which i do <laughs> i actually think i'm gonna go leclerc controversially um but it's just a three-way split then, isn't it? It kind of so, is, yeah. I'm okay, gonna... so deciding vote then. Who's who's? What is it between you two? Gasly and Leclerc. And you're saying Hamilton. 
Yeah, I, I, of those two, I'd probably lean further towards Gasly. I can go with that. Gasly would be my second choice, so I'll happily go Congratul- with that. Congratulations, Pierre. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what about move of the day? Oof. The Perez Ocon battle is what got me sort of riled up. <laughs> yeah, that like, was good. Like, wasn't yeah, it? That, that was yeah, good that one. that um that that caught my eye. Because like um, Signs and Raikkonen kind of had a similar thing a few laps earlier, and then Perez and Ocon were like, "Nah, hold my beer. This is how you do it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, is exactly three quarters like. of a lap side by side. Yeah. Like the way I gauge this is often by like the point that was happening in a race. I'm usually quite busy, mm-hmm. so there has to be a lot of being shouted about on track to catch my attention <laughs> and make me turn around and look at the screens and see what's going on. And that very much caught my attention at that point. So that 100% is going to get my vote all day long, the Perez Ocon battle. Yeah. I mean, I'm I think that's the one that. for me, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that. Nice. And then final award of the day. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Uh, of the day or of the weekend? I mean, the, the stuff we've given this award to over the years, it could be anything at any point in time. <laughs> I think like Stroll, just Stroll's incident-packed weekend would be mine. Yeah. Like, my WTF. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, how are you getting involved in so many silly... I think the first one, either driver could have taken avoiding action. I think the probably the more responsible driver for the first one in practice was probably Verstappen. So I think I can let him off with that one. But, and that's arguable. I'm sure if you want to fight me in the comments, then go ahead. <laughs> or on Twitter. Or just give us a bad review. Um, but, no, don't do that. <laughs> but um, to, to the move that he did on, the move that he tried on Norris was just, to me, it was just pie in the sky. Like, he's just not going to, you're not going to get around that caliber of driver and car in that manner (laughs) I don't know what he was thinking so that's yeah that if you want it to be the weekend then we can have it the weekend if you want it to be of the day then it can be of the day but that's my vote yeah and and to then follow that up with another penalty for track limits and then to be all basically asking to be retired from the race on the radio as well Mm. um yeah it's it just wasn't a good weekend at all um yeah tell daddy I'm bored I want to stop (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm hard-pressed to find anything yeah. other than that. I, d- so. I don't think we this should be given it, but one thing I did think find was interesting, the whole um, drain cover thing um, in practice. <laughs> oh, God. Three, was it? Yeah. yeah. Did you see the explanation of what actually happened there? Um, I never did, actually. So we've had like drain covers coming loose, because they're not welded down properly a few times over the years. But I think it was uh, Craig Scarborough on Twitter, who you should follow because he posts some very interesting technical stuff. Um, He basically explained that it was nothing to do with um, welds failing. It was actually... So it was the... It was the concrete underneath the plates on top. Basically, the sucking force on the bottom of an F1 car is so strong as... um, cars various uh, various cars went over the drain the sort of force of the air being sucked out just caused the concrete inside to completely collapse it kind of dragged the inside of the drain up and out of the top which is why the top of it popped open which i thought was very interesting from a kind of physics point of view yeah that's very interesting that's really cool that's very 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 cool 
Can um, I just also point out it generated one of my favorite memes of the entire season where oh, really? some <laughs> so as the Ferrari went over and the drain popped up, the little, a little red Among Us character popped up and it went red is sus. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I'm sorry, but if, if people haven't played Among Us, they're not going to get that. But it's, still, yeah. it's one of my favorite memes nice. of the season. Lost on me that. Let's put it this way, Stu. It's good. It is and good. Chris giggled. So take it's our word for it. Must good. be good. I believe you. No, I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> I'm grinning at least. So I'm not. I'm not. Well, I've not broken out into a full-on hysterics. But <laughs> I, I, the, I like the idea of a character popping out of a drain hole cover. That in, in of itself is <laughs> hilarity for me. So yeah, I get it. I get it. I think the only other Dewey candidate is just the first couple of laps, just in general. Yeah, but in a good way. In a good in way. A good yeah. way WTF, yeah. yeah. WTF is is reserved for for true <laughs> calamities and madness. <laughs> that were the the first few laps, although calamitous and mad, were brilliant. The good kind. Yeah. Let's let's give it a stroll then. Yeah. I'm going to write down strolls weekend. Strolls weird weekend. There we go. Oh, there you go. That's that's <laughs> that's episode title. Fodder right there. <laughs> Na- name of your first sex tape. <laughs> it's a it's a family show. <laughs> Shall we do some final thoughts on Portimao? Portimao yeah. slash takeaways. We sort of do this after every new slash returning race, don't we? Um... So every race then. <laughs> well, yeah, this season. <laughs> <laughs> I. I, I just thought it was great. I want to come. I want to go back there every year. I, it was, yeah, really, it was, it was really good. It was. It was a. Oh, it's a cracking, cracking. I really, really enjoyed it. I really did. I, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you. It was a fantastic race. Fantastic the thing is, track. if you look at just like the the track map, it kind of looks a bit like Barcelona, but better. <laughs> and if only yeah. we could just replace one with the other, but. Oh. Given that Alonso is back next season, the Spanish Grand Prix is going no nowhere. But yeah. I would much rather have this race than um, if they just got Castellania. rid of the final chicane at, um, in Barcelona. I think you'd you'd have way more overtaking at that track. Although to be fair, there was you get a lot of overtaking nowadays with the DRS. Things anyway, it used to not have the final chicane, and it still didn't have any overtaking. But they had way less downforce then, so they couldn't be full True. throttle all the way through. Whereas now they've got all this downforce, they're just full throttle all the way, and there's such a huge um, toe that you get from the car. Then you it's probably wouldn't a, even need DRS if you had no. Just a bad track. I, th- bad I track think the only, yeah, the only reason they can't do it is still the space because yeah, it's they safety, can't they it? can't ex they can't extend the runoff for the corner because of. It's, it's to do with land ownership, I believe. They can't well, move the stand there's a any further great back. Big grandstand in the way as well. Yeah, but it's, it's on the scaffolding that stand. There's nothing oh, is it? to it. it, it yeah, it, it'd, it'd move. The stand would move. The problem is, is what's behind it does not belong to the circuit, and I don't think whoever is, mm. is, is willing to to give it up to them. It's also I think is, is the general premise of the problem. I also believe I'm right in saying that the MotoGP race there is far more popular than the F1 race. So anything they do to the track is usually with that in mind first rather than yeah, yeah but there's road there though there is road there so let's let's not <laughs> let's not get into how to fix so okay, to Catalonia. Okay. let's not <laughs> let's just not okay we'll not fine at least not on this occasion okay um shall i do the takeaways 
Go on, Sponsored mate. by yeah, why not? Just Eat this week. Um, <laughs> Mercedes are invincible everywhere. Um, yeah, Hamilton winning the title is a foregone conclusion. Constructors is a foregone conclusion as well. This, I, f- I feel like this track showed like that that car is just it's got everything. It's got it all the all the right stuff in the right places. Like it's yeah. it's not going to be. You know, it's, I don't. I can't see them going to a track now for the rest of the season where they're going to be beatable. I don't know about you guys. It's hard to. I mean, what have been their bogey tracks in the past? Like Singapore, which we're not going to. Hmm. Um, I can't think of any more. Not that we've well, not are, ones we haven't already been to anyway. Yeah, I mean Austria is kind of, and I guess like they did lose out a little bit there, but yeah, and they have lost out a bit in the past. But you know that's been and gone now, and they've whatever um, failings that that car had at that point are well and truly yeah. gone at this point in the season. So yeah, I think you know, I mean, unless something mental is going to have to happen for Hamilton not to not win the championship now, and for Mercedes to not take the constructors, it's it's just. It's it's gonna happen. It's just a matter yeah. of when. Um. So my next takeaway is Bottas can go home now. <laughs> Could he not have after the last race or the one before that? Well, probably, but he definitely can. He can go home and go to sleep now. Then how about that? Yeah, it's he's like finding new ways to lose races at this point, <laughs> <laughs> which is a yeah. sad state of affairs. I guess you're right, yeah. Do you know what? I hate being a Bottas fan. It's just oh, an exercise in getting your hopes up and then seeing them crushed every week. Mm. Who's your favourite driver, Chris? I've never asked you this. <laughs> Do you know what? I've it, That's not really ever been the kind of F1 fan I've been. I've never really had but, like... No, 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 Come on, stop, no, stop, no. Stop giving it a Chris answer. Give no, it a true, real though, answer. Like, the only, if the you only, had to pick. The only times... <laughs> on on the current grid, if I had to pick, yes, probably yeah. Bottas. Yeah, there we oh, go. Anyway, all along. That, God, it must suck to be you, Chris. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only time I've ever had like a this is my favorite F1 driver and it went well was Jensen in 2009. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> what a season. We waxed lyrical. Right, let's not. Let's not go no, into let's not. 2009 because. <laughs> Yeah, what a season. Um, so sadly for Chris, Bottas can go home now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Ferrari are making progress. Hmm. I mean... Or appear it's, to be. It's, well, it's sad to say Vettel coming 10th feels like progress, but sadly it kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's funny, this season there's big gaps between the drivers in the top teams, other than Mercedes, I guess. Like the, the other two top teams, Red Bull and... yeah. And Ferrari, there, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot, lot of gap between those two, those those four. Racing point as well. You could argue there's a pretty big gap between the two drivers forming, forming now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But and Ferrari making progress, so they've um, they seem to be starting to get on top of some of their aero troubles. Um, this weekend they tested a new floor, ready for the for next season, to try and gauge what kind of losses they're going to sort of be suffering when they come into the new new season in 2021. Um, And yeah, they just seem to be sort of slowly chipping away and the updates they're bringing race on race are starting to sort of 
pull them back into the mix now, which is um, it's good to see. You do want to see for as much as I sort of I'm not a massive fan of Ferrari, but you want to see them competing because they've been there longer than anyone else. So they ought to be competing, and the amount of money that gets sunk into that car also yeah. means that it should be much more competitive. Um, but it shows you that they can develop and they can sort of you know put the time in and and they've seen what the they're they're able to find the problems and are starting to fix them so it's positive it's positive for next year as well we really need ferrari to sort of get on top of all these issues and and sort of try and make a car next season that can that can compete whether whether that's the engine or not you know um, it, it needs to be up there um mclaren are back in the mix i think it's fair to say yeah, no, I think I think that they seem to be that the only thing was is that after the tire switch they seemed to be a bit I'd, not they didn't disappear but they they did drop back a bit didn't they after the yeah, tire changes. I mean, so science started 7th and finished 6th. So he moved forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um <sighs> It, it was kind of amazing to see him running where they were at the start of the race. I think, yeah, I mean, Sainz finished ahead of Perez, which is kind of what McLaren needed. They need to sort of stay within touch of that racing point, which they're doing. It's really, really close between McLaren, racing point, uh, I should say racing point, back to McLaren, then back to Renault. There's like six points in it between those three yeah. teams after it, it, 12 races. <laughs> It's still insane. as close as it has been at any point, I think, which is good for us as spectators. Um, mm. um, so that's that's good to see. It's good to see McLaren again, like developing their way back. I would say they're coming back into it. Um, and then Williams as well. Williams seem to be pushing forward. I don't know about you, but you know, for Norris to uh, sorry, not Norris for Russell to finish fourteenth ahead of. Um, an Alpha, two Haases, another Williams, an Alpha Tauri, which one of the Alpha Tauris finished fifth. And then um obviously racing point not classified, but still like that's a good result, I think, for Russell, given the yeah. car he's got. Yeah, it it definitely feels like that Williams is in that mix at the kind of back half of the field. No, they're not just hanging on to the back. They're actually able to I mean, we know George can qualify ahead of a lot of people, but it's actually racing with people now and not just falling to the back straight away, which is, it's promising. Yeah, that that's my, that's kind of my point with this is that like often we've seen him racing and then just like either munching his tires and dropping back or, or just falling back for other reasons. Whereas this race, he definitely seemed to, he qualified well and he raced well, he held positions. He was in a big old battle with Giovinazzi for a while came out on top of that and yeah um, held it until the end of the race so yeah definitely steps forward in that williams yeah um, really really good a lot of talk yeah. of uh george's seat being um in question but i think a lot of that is um sounds like the perez camp is trying to sort of put a bit of pressure on red bull to say yeah you better sign me up quick because uh williams are knocking but i don't believe williams really are knocking i think I'd we like have an inbox that about George that later, actually. So, oh, do we? Dig into it some mm. more. Hold okay. your thoughts. <laughs> shall, okay, I... shall we do go over predictions? Yeah, I was just yes, saying, let's run through the prediction results. So, um, in terms of 
us, uh, Chris and I both scored two points. I got two for the double ham, and Chris got what a Hamilton win and an Ocon in eighth. Very good, sir. Thank you. Very good. Um, none of us were anywhere near with finishes, and just put that out there because <laughs> exactly what we said would happen after predicting such low numbers <laughs> happened. So just do the opposite of us, folks. Um, in terms of you, the listeners, um, Oscar Felding and Vasco Breitenfeld, you are the top two scorers this week, both with four, both with the exact same set of predictions as well. Mm. Um Double Lewis, Lance Stroll first DNF, and Ocon's correct position of eighth, um, but fell victim to the same situation as us by going for a low number of finishes. Nobody actually got the exact number of finishes. The, there was a bunch of people that got half points for 18 finishes. But that's the closest anybody mm. got across the board. So n- we, at least we weren't the only ones that yeah. affected <laughs> low numbers. It's not just us. <laughs> Um, in terms of the standings, um, that means that Nathan Bailey is currently top with 24 points. Uh, and then there's three people tied for second. Jacob Fitzbride, Whit Happens, and Richard Garvey all tied on 22 points. It's all very close up there. Whit Happens um, is a strong name, isn't it? It <laughs> is. It is. Uh, in terms of us, Stu, you're 43rd with 17 and a half points. Um, I am, I've kind of clubbed back some places here. I'm quite surprised. I'm 45th. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm only a couple behind only you. Half a point uh, behind me. I'm half half a point behind you at 17. And Chris is back in the mix, I would say, with uh, 13 points yeah. in Ooh. place. So strong weekend. Strong Hair on the tortoise, boys. Wow. Yeah, you're less than you are literally less than a clean sweep away from us two now, Chris. Boom. Yeah. I mean, I guess the best thing to do is if we cover some storylines and some looking ahead to Imola, and then we'll go through some predictions for yes. that race next weekend. Okay. So, storylines this weekend. We're, obviously, we're heading to Imola, um, circuit that we've not been to for a long, long time. Um, I think my my first storyline, which we don't have written down, actually, is... Um, I'm going I'm going off piece, guys. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. Lewis, Lewis, big, I think this is a big race for Lewis Hamilton, this one. I think mm. because of his sort of love and respect for Ayrton Senna and obviously it's the it's the circuit where he tragically yeah. lost his life I, I that must weigh again it must weigh heavy on the shoulders of someone who's idolized that that formula one personality for mm. much of his life so I think to win here would probably mean quite a lot to Hamilton Mm. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him sort of getting getting emotional on the podium at this one, more so than this weekend. This weekend was kind of a jubilation weekend. You know, he's achieved a huge, huge, huge victory. I think if he wins next weekend, it'll be a much more, you'll see a much more somber kind of um, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, I can, I can yeah, see that, I guess. Yeah, we thought that, because I guess... I guess for a lot of these drivers, this will be the first time they've been there, at least in F1 machinery. And to actually, it's one thing to sort of hear all the stories and, you know, watch all the stuff on TV, but to actually be at the place is, is going to be yeah. quite different, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's my first one. Um, an interesting one, one to maybe think about. Um, the next one is uh, how much will the short weekend affect things? So do you know the reason why it's a short weekend this weekend? It's just a logistical thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just I've got it's such so a, bloody far to go. Yeah, it's a lot. It's <laughs> over seven hundred kilometers. It is to get from 
the Algarve at the southern part of is it the southern southern tip of yeah um, yeah Portugal isn't it? They've got to get all the way up over the Alps and back down to Imola. So it's yeah, it's a big old trek, and they were already packing up really really quickly after the race um, this weekend just gone. So yeah, how will it affect the way, race weekend? Well, it's a difficult track. Um, the the walls are really really close. It's kind of like Canada, but with a lot more sort of complex challenging corners i'd say yeah um, less time to breathe than canada <laughs> yeah yeah a lot less time to breathe um so expect to see you know a few wheels missing probably a few people in the barriers some front wings and rear wings sort of going all over the place <laughs> um, i would uh maybe even a red flag or two in quali and maybe even the race i think yeah i think it's a possibility yeah it's um, a little practice time yeah, it's a very, very, very challenging track, Imola. Really um, so, yeah, I mean, they're very high downs for us, so obviously a bit easier for these guys than it has been in the past, but still, you know, it is, it is a challenge. It's quite high speed in a lot of places as well with, with the walls very close. Yeah. So super challenging, very dangerous, but um, exciting to see the cars going around a classic track. You know, it's the kind of track that we, that we cry out for, I guess, like those old school tracks that are really unforgiving and... If you want unforgiving, well, go to Imola. Yeah. Next one, title permutations. Um, Chris, I might need you to help me through this. <laughs> I can help you through this. There, um, there's maths involved. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Hamilton's going to have to wait a couple of races before he can mathematically wrap up uh, his seventh world title. But Mercedes can win the constructors this weekend. Um, yeah, so they currently have a 209-point lead over Red Bull, uh, and they need to be 176 ahead after this coming race to claim the title. So Red Bull basically need to outscore Mercedes by 33 points to keep the uh, title alive, which I would say is unlikely. Oh, yes. Unless we have a, another nice Mercedes coming together in turn one or something. Um, but yeah, this is almost certainly going to have a Mercedes championship wrapped up this weekend. Mm. Exciting stuff. And uh, yeah, the final one is the, it's the, well, Lewis, one of them is Lewis needs to wait one more for his title, which we just covered. But the final one is uh, the fight for third in the constructors. Still, still, still really, really fiery, fiery fight. Um, we need to see more of those teams finishing with two. The first of those teams to start getting two cars solidly in the points is going to win this championship. It still keeps it happening, doesn't it? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Renault actually finished with their cars next to each other the last race, but way down the order, they had a really ropey weekend after a few really decent races. So that's kind of slowed their charge, although they're still only four points behind McLaren and Racing Point are only two points ahead of them. So, yeah, still very close. Mm. But yeah, it is weird how they all just seem to... I only have one car finishing decently. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a, it's you know, it's it's the inconsistent drivers conundrum, isn't it? That none of them have got real, other than maybe Ricardo, but even Ricardo's not been that consistent. I don't think this year. So, yeah, it's it's all to play yeah, for, and they like, really all need to buckle down at this point. Ricardo was up to fourth in the driver standings now, but that's kind of off the back of the last few races, isn't it? That's not a season of consistency that's got in there mm. yeah I'd, I, would, I would say so so with all that in mind 
Is it time? Is for that enough information for you both to make predictions? Do you think? Never. There's, there could never be enough. Have you but got, let's give it a go a, anyway. Like a, do you have a bank of more knowledge to share with us, Tom? Like that you that you're keeping. I mean. I do, but I'm not going to share it with your pre-predictions. Oh, <laughs> no, what? I'm, I'm, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I've got nothing. Do you want to know how <laughs> things went at the uh, the last race at Imola? Uh, yes. Yeah, go on, why not? The fastest in qualifying was Michael Schumacher, followed by the two Hondas of Jensen <laughs> Burton and Rubens Barrichello, and the race was won by Schumacher, uh, followed by Alonso and Juan Pablo Montoya. So I hope that really helped you out. Yes. Uh, how many of those drivers are still on the grid um, in Formula One this season? Let's have a look, actually. Uh, one. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, one. <laughs> Kimi Räikkönen's the only one. Yeah, I was about. To, I was about to say it's going to be Kimi, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The, although it, it'll be two next year with Alonso coming back. Yeah, Alonso coming, but we're not probably yeah. won't go to him on the next we'll, year. Well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. Who knows? Um, yeah. Right, predictions. Fastest in Q3. Chris, you can go first on this one, my friend. Every time I say Hamilton, it's Bottas and vice versa. So this week I'm going to say Hamilton. Oh, that means my, I might have to say Bottas. <laughs> Stu, where are you going to go with fastest in Q3? Hamilton. Hamilton, oh. I'm playing safe. Do, do I deviate? Safe. I cost myself yeah. last season. Trying Do I deviate sort of away from snatch this? I'm going to stick with you two. I'm going to say Hamilton ah. as well. Um, win. Stian, where are you going there? Hamilton. Ooh, double ham. Um, I mean, I can't look past it at the minute. In, in a track we're so uncertain about because we've not been there, then, well, at least not in recent times, then I'm going to go with things I know, which is Hamilton is dominant. Chris. Your thoughts? Yeah, you already know the answer. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Hamilton. It is. The, the double, triple ham. <laughs> first DNF. Um, I'll go first. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to go for one of those like home driver things. I'm going to go Giovinazzi. Yes. Mm. Why not? Um, Stu. I'm going to say... Kvyat. Oh, and Chris. Mm. For some reason, signs is sticking out to me. Oh, I feel bad Poor saying Kvyat because he's actually kept his nose clean this season quite well. <laughs> I can't make that joke two weeks in a row about his nose being taken off. <laughs> 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 can't. <laughs> Number of finishes, Chris. How many do you think there will be, sir? Uh, we went low last week and it didn't help us but I do think it's going to be a little low again so what did I say last week 16 I'll say 16 again and hope I was just a week out Stu yourself um, 17 mm. oh, this is so difficult uh I'm going to go Chris's side. I'm going to side with Chris and say 16 as well. Uh, and then random driver, Chris, can you produce as a mm-hmm. name? We've got eight to choose from. Could you produce a random driver from your satchel? Sergio yes. Perez. Ah! Um, <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. I'm going to say 
Sixth, positivity. After a good weekend from this weekend, I'm going sixth. Chris, where would you like to place Mr. Perez? Sixth. That actually feels right. Oh. Risk of copying you. I'm fifth. I mean, fifth. There's, there's definitely a risk there. I nearly went fifth. Fifth. Fifth is, fifth is very good optimism, Stu. Like, I, I like it. I'm, I'm kind of with you, though. I was tempted by it. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, very, they're remarkably good. The, the big deciders there are Perez and the first DNF, yeah, they're really, really are. aren't they? I think they are. Um, if you would like to have your say in the Predictions League, you can do so by heading to backofthegrid.com where you can register if you've not already and uh, join in by submitting your predictions. They're open until Q1 starts on the Saturday. So you've got plenty of time to make a decision. Um, and remember, there's always a prize for anyone who gets a full five out of five over the course of a weekend. And then a prize for the person at the top of the board out of all you lovely listeners at the end of the season. Um, nice. Shall we do some inbox from everybody? Let's. Keep me saying now. Stay out. Hey, man. It's the la- Charlie laughing in that just yeah. absolutely cracked. We it. talk about him every week and he has no idea as yeah, well. No, no, he doesn't even li- doesn't listen, does he? Um, okay, uh, I've got two for you to open with. Um, first one from Julian Hajar. What do you think of Raikkonen showing his class in wheel-to-wheel racing? And the second from Peter Reynolds. My goodness, for two minutes the car didn't matter and it was just about the driver. And Kimmy kicked, but a joy to watch. Um, what do we think? It was nice, wasn't it? It's Kimmy seemed to come yeah. alive. Like there's been a lot of times this season where he's kind of just seems to be going through the motions, and that was not the case in this race, which was nice to see. Yeah, I think. I mean, it is just a little bit of a. Just I don't know. It's it shows he's still got it as well when it comes to Kimmy. That, that I think that's where where I sort of land on this one is. It's just nice that. I mean, he gets a bit of flack for obviously being older and the position should maybe go to a younger driver. Not saying I don't agree with that, but it is nice when he's given these opportunities to show he has still got it and it's not like he's, he's just there because of his name. He's he's still very much there on merit, I think. Yeah, it's definitely. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I agree Ho- with all that. Hopefully, if he is around next season, like we think, he'll be like that more often and we won't have so much of the going through the motions Kimmy Uh, next Liam says going to have to edit this one on the fly do you think that it was Lewis or Max or whoever who called another driver a like Lando did there would be massive (laughs) uproar as there was in 2018 when Lewis called Max a why do drivers like Lando and Kimmy get away with things that other drivers would be um, criticised for um, I mean, I think it's the case with most things that certain drivers get criticised more for things than other drivers, but I think that's just the way of the world and the internet. Um, I don't necessarily have an issue with drivers on the radio having a little F and Jeff when something goes wrong during a race. Um I have a much bigger problem with what Max was saying on the radio yeah. uh, on Friday. That was... About the same driver. Yes, actually. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff on the radio is unacceptable and shouldn't yeah. be happening. 
2020. It should not yes. be happening in this day. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a. I mean, everyone's a bit heated, especially in those scenarios. But I think there's still room to use appropriate words. Is not the right way to put it, is it? But like, just less. It's manage your tongue, is what it is. It's, yeah, it's like own... ev- everybody gets heated and swears and 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 whatever. Like it happens, especially in in a high kind of a high octane high adrenaline moment but i do think you have to be very careful about like the particular direction that that goes because yeah it just rubs people up the wrong way it's not appropriate sometimes like the, people the, the, some of the language that's used people was like defended by saying oh it's like heat the moment and like they're passionate and whatever but if you in the heat of the moment are coming out with i mean let's face it slurs like yeah. That that doesn't say much about you if that's the kind of things that your brain goes to when it's not really thinking straight and not kind of checking itself. Um, so yeah, that, there's just no place for that. But like just having a bit of an F and a Jeff because you're annoyed at someone, I, I don't think there's a problem with that. Um, I don't really... Re- Do you remember Lewis getting the heat for calling Max or whatever it was in um... 2018? I don't necessarily remember him getting a huge amount of flack for it. But, I mean, like, they've all had a pop at people like Maldonado, Grosjean. Everyone's had a pop at somebody at some point on that grid. Like, it's not uncommon. It's just about the ones that we actually hear. And I think we hear a lot more of them now because of the way that uh, the the driver's audio feeds and the radio feeds are... Uh, pass through the edit suite so quickly for the live production. Yeah. Whereas they weren't so much before in the past, so you heard it less. But I think it's always been there, and it always will be. And do you know what? It goes It goes back a little bit to what Seb once said. Th- this is the time I think you're thinking of, actually, the person who wrote this in, whoever it was. There was a time where in an, in one of the pre-race interviews or post-race interviews, they, um, they were putting the question to Lewis of, like, why did you why did you call Max this or or whatever it was? And Seb actually stepped in and said, Look, oh yeah. The these things sometimes happen. It wasn't directly like offensive towards him. He wasn't he wasn't trying to hurt the guy. He was just venting some frustration. And it was like saying, I, I guarantee you, if you stuck a microphone under a footballer's mouth in these heated scenarios, not nothing he says is gonna be nice. Probably exactly, a lot worse yeah. than some of the things that we say. And he like Sebastian was quite like, Lewis, do not say anything on this. I've got you back here. <laughs> there, was, there was like a there was like a big thing with him standing yeah. up alongside him. And I do think there's a big difference between just being angry and calling someone a couple of expletives and using words that are quite offensive yeah, because of the nature of them. I mean, to be honest, I was more surprised by what Lando said about it after the race, after he'd had time to sort of cool down and collect his thoughts. And the fact that he then was still being very critical of Stroll sort of surprised me Mm -hmm. more because at that point when you've got your... PR person next to you, you'd expect a driver to be a bit more chill yeah. and choosing their words carefully. And the fact that he was still visibly quite annoyed and very critical, I think that spoke a lot more to the situation. <laughs> I mean, I mean, all I can think of right now is when Magnuson turned around and said, <laughs> "You know what? Do you know who?" Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> sometimes it happens. Yeah. Uh, moving on quickly, um, uh, Ryan says uh, Gaza has sixty-three points. Uh, in the Alpha Tauri and Albon 64 in the Red Bull. 
what do you make of this? Uh, what do you think the teams are going to look like for 2021? And in a similar question, Wesley says, uh, um, should Gasly stay with Alpha Tauri or risk taking the Red Bull seat again if offered? Um, given what Alvin has said about the car, not sure how wise of a move it would yeah. be. I think we've covered, we've kind of covered a lot of this in um, previous episodes. But to summarize, very, I think very quick answers. I think I'd like to see Albon in there for another season. I don't think he's um, being given the opportunity really to, or the car's not developed around him enough to give him a real chance. And I think it'd be much fairer for him to have another crack in a second, in another Red Bull next season. That'd be my feeling. Yeah, I, th- I think what it all in all proves is that Alpha Terry is a place where a driver can really thrive and that the second Red Bull seat is toxic, basically. Yeah. Um, I think Gasly should absolutely stay where he is next season. I think he'd be much better off spending another season there, um, raise his stock a bit and try and get a better seat for 2022. I don't think any good can come of him going back to Red Bull. Yeah. Tom, what's your vibe? I, I mean, we kind of touched on it before. I, I don't know if it could be detrimental taking the Red Bull seat and maybe it's in his best interest to just stay where he is and, and work towards that Renault thing. Like, I think if there's potential to do that, that might be his best option, in all honesty. I am now coming round to the idea that Red Bull might bring in someone from outside next season and go with Albon and Gasly at AlphaTauri. Yeah, I, I'd prefer that for the to them pulling in another Red Bull junior driver and just you know wrecking their career. My concern with that is what happens to Albon at that point. Like, does he end up without a drive? Probably. And yes, if he does, things then... to note is in the mix, isn't he? Yeah. So I don't think I think Albon's got a lot more to give to Formula One. Yeah, me too. And I'm not ready to see the back of him yet. So yeah, that's why my heart says keep him at Red Bull. Um, shall we do the next one? Go for it. Um, El Ham says, regarding regarding the Perez rumour, is it not just Williams trying to create a Mexican standoff to see <laughs> who will pay the most for the seat? Um, Papa Latifi or the country of Mexico? Given Williams' need for their Merck engine plus George being a great driver, I can't see him missing out. I can't see him missing out either. I think he's set. You'd, yeah, you'd also hope not as well, judging... <laughs> By the way, he's performed in recent races. Yeah. You'd hope that he doesn't miss out. Then again, if the third option is they don't have to choose between Latifi money and Mexico money, that could have both. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then um, they've also got to buy Russell out of his, what's probably quite a watertight contract created by Toto Wolf. And yeah, Kyle. true. Well, not necessarily because. Uh, because the team was um, yeah, sold, a... that can potentially open up like break clauses in contracts and things. Yeah, um, there is sometimes legal loopholes from that point of view. I, I mm. will. I'm I'm sort of semi playing devil's advocate here, but I can kind of come around to their way of thinking a little. If you're in charge of Williams right now, do you really want to be giving one of your seats to help develop a driver? that you know Mercedes are going to take off you? Or do you want to give that seat to a driver who's going to bring in money and wants to be with you for 
a sort of medium to long-term project as Perez has said he wants to do. I don't know. I think if you're getting cheap engines out of it, then I don't think you mind too much. I guess it depends if the amount of money you're getting offsets the cheap engines, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think he's, he's safe. I think they're probably getting such a discount on engines that they don't, you know, they don't need to worry as much about cash as maybe is what we're all thinking, especially now they've got new investment. Like everyone's talking about sort of talk about Williams as though they desperately need um, money to come from both of their drivers, but actually, surely that I said this a couple of weeks ago. Surely they, as a result of the new investment, they they're in a good place at the moment and they're not desperate for. But then an investor's job is not just to pump money into something, is it? It's to find a way to run the company in a more successful way. And if you can see from their point of view why they would think having Perez in that seat is a better way of running a successful racing team than having Russell in that seat. In the short term, yes. But in the long term, you get in, as long as you've got Russell in that, and you're building a strong relationship with Mercedes, if you can continue that relationship and continue to take young um, young drivers from Mercedes, then not only are you getting the best engine in Formula 1 at a discount, but you're also getting probably pretty talented drivers to put in there as well. So, See, if I anything, think I think th- Russell is the short-term option, though. Because we all know, sooner or later, Mercedes are going to come knocking for him. Whereas Perez has said... I want to go somewhere that's going to be a medium to long-term project. I'm not just looking for a seat I can go to for one year and then bounce again. Yeah. I don't agree with it. I don't, I think if Russell lost his seat next year, it would be a bit of a travesty, but I, I think I'm more worried about his seat than you are, Stu, I guess. (laughs) I wish I had the confidence that you do. No, I, I, well, I think most of it's posturing from, from the Perez side as well, I think I think that's a lot of trying it, yeah. to, try, yeah. you know, trying to get um, get Red Bull into a position where they need to make a decision. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's exactly what those kind of agents and managers' jobs are, isn't it? They they'll create rumors that aren't even in play to to drum up interest within their driver. I mean, you said, well, I say their driver. It happens in every sport, doesn't it? Like transfer rumors and buyout rumours and trade yeah. rumours and like it happens in them all so yeah next uh, Ali says if Rosberg didn't retire the year he won the world championship do you think Hamilton would have managed to break slash match the records he has or would Ros- Rosberg have delayed or stopped this taking nothing away Ooh. from Hamilton what he has managed to achieve is amazing that's a really good question it is um, I don't think that Rosberg would have I think if Rosberg was already thinking about quitting Formula One, if he'd stayed on, then he wouldn't have beat Hamilton. This is the thing, isn't it? Rosberg openly said when he retired that that season took everything out of him and he didn't think he had it in him to do that again. And if he thought that, I'm not going to tell anybody that he could have done anything different to what he believed he could achieve. Um, He'd probably still have taken some wins off Hamilton. Hamilton maybe would have had to wait a bit longer to reach this milestone, but... In terms of championships, I don't think it would have made a difference who was in that second car. Yeah. Short of Mercedes finding a way to clone Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm mean... I'm sure they've looked into it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he'd have reached it by now, but it, it definitely wouldn't have stopped. It would have only hindered 
slightly, I think. Yeah, yeah. slowed down. Yeah, yeah. And final yeah. one, shall we do? Yeah, last one for this week. Uh, Don Queen says, um, how the heck did Bottas and Hamilton put faster laps on yellow tyres in Q3 than they ever did on the red tyres? That's a very interesting question as well. Um, I don't actually 100% know the answer to it other than... <laughs> the way you, you opened there, I thought you had some science to back this up. I mean, p- tracks evolve, don't they? T- yeah. I mean, temp- air temperatures, track temperatures. There's, there's, there's so many reasons a tyre can perform better than another. In, in exactly the same way that during the start of the race, you saw how much more dominant the cars on the softer tyre were because of the... Yeah. The, the very very cold track due to the the rain drizzling over it and the, I, the lack of grip. I have a I do have a theory, um, and I think it comes down to tire wear during warm up. I think potentially the soft tire got so worn during the warm up that it was past its best by over the two laps that you're on because you had to work it so hard. By yeah. the time you get onto your actual fast lap. You'll get halfway around it, and there won't be any tire. There won't be the maximum tire life left in it yeah. anymore. So it just drops off really fast, and that it means that it drops off so much in comparison to the medium yellow tire that actually the yellow tire, once you've done, once you've got it up to temperature, is the faster tire because it's got more life. So yeah. I think yeah. that's that's my theory, but I I don't know though. You know, the I mean the conditions did change quite a lot from Q two to Q three as well. Like only three drivers actually improved their time from Q two to Q three. Yeah. That was Hamilton, Verstappen, and Leclerc. Everyone else was slower in Q three. So that just shows to show how much the weather and track conditions um, changed. I mean, the wind alone was quite a big factor of yeah. the course of the weekend, wasn't it? And and that wind changing direction and becoming a headwind suddenly you're not being pushed along the straight by a, a tailwind. You, you're fighting your way through a headwind and that and with that straight and the, the amount of um, speed that they're actually hitting down that straight coming off flat out in the final corner, yeah. it's going to have a big impact. And and so it's not necessarily always just the tyres. It, it might look like it is because they've had two different tyres on in, in two different runs, but sometimes there's a number of other factors that, come into play like that as well if you've suddenly got a tailwind it doesn't matter what tire on you're probably going to be quicker Mm. and mclaren said that their car seemed to be particularly affected by uh, high winds compared to everyone else and i mean signs was half a second slower in q3 than q2 which just goes to show just like the wind picking up was probably a big part of that because half a second to lose for q3 is a massive difference Mm. yeah yeah really is so yeah whole whole uh Whole bunch of answers for you there. Pick one. Mm. Pick, one of them might one be right. The one of them might be right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that is about all we have time for this week. Thank you, as always, for joining us. If you haven't seen online, we have a giveaway at the moment. I'm sure you heard our interview with uh, Morris Hamilton a week or two ago. If you didn't listen to that, go back and give it a download because it was a it was a very interesting guy to talk to. And we have a copy of his book, uh, Formula One, A Complete History, to uh, give away. So if you go to our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, scroll back a little, you find a post from last week with how to enter. Um, I think we're closing entries on Wednesday. So if you're listening to this when it comes out, uh, you should just about have enough time to get an entry if you haven't already. And we'll announce the winner of that on next week's podcast, probably, I think. 
yeah, if you want to look at those social media things, uh, Twitter, just look for Back of the Grid F1. Facebook and Instagram, search Back of the Grid and you'll find us. Or you can go to backofthegrid.com where you can uh, send us a message from a contact us form. And that's where you can also sign up for the Predictions League if you haven't already and enter your predictions. Uh, we will be back in a week's time to review the, what's the official name? It's the Gran Premio D'Amelia Romagna. My Romania Italian is or something like that. Excellently yeah. executed there, Chris. Roman- Romana? It's, sure. it's 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 just call it Italy 3.0. It's yeah, the San Marino Grand Prix, Italy. but not. <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. It's, it's Imola, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're back in a week to talk about Imola. But until then, goodbye. 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 But until then, goodbye. 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 Jesus. Do you want to do, do that I'll without you? I, I really need to start like taking Pro Plus or something before I do Just say, was my outro that boring? Like, it's not your outros that are boring. I've been goated this weekend, I'll have you know. <laughs> well and truly goated.